0: Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Welcome again to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. The Beatitudes, oh how happy the person. But it's a painful happy because it's a healing happy. It's a transformation, it's it's change, and most of us are not Real excited about change. The Beatitudes have been considered for many years by scholars, Christian scholars, and pastors, to be a stair-step process of entering into Jesus Christ. Remember, we began, as we review, Blessed are the poor in spirit, that is, Blessed are those who have no ability to change their situation. The word for poor is literally the word for absolutely unable to change your situation. Jesus uses this word to begin to speak about the journey into his heart. It's not something you can do. It's something Jesus must do for you. But then we come to the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Why are they mourning? Why is mourning the second step into Jesus' heart? Well, simply because as You begin to recognize the utter poverty of your heart. You begin to recognize all that you have done and sinned in doing to satisfy and try to create your own reality. You begin to recognize how wicked you have been. That causes a great deal of pain and sorrow when you're facing Jesus Christ. But everything must be uncovered. Sin must be faced and acknowledged and repented of. Restitution needs to be made in cases where it can be made. One man, I recall, when he was homeless and A druggie and a wicked, wicked man. He would go to a grocery store and there he would steal steaks. He would put them under his clothes and walk out with them. When he became a Christian, one of the first things he became concerned about was, how do I make restitution for the steaks that I stole? he finally decided he would go and speak with the manager at the grocery store. And of course, when the manager came, there was a whole line of people and everyone was listening. There was no privacy involved in this. He explained to the manager what he had done, took a hundred-dollar note out and laid it on the counter and said, Will this cover what I stole? And the manager was very embarrassed and and said, No, just go. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He didn't know if he would be put in jail for shoplifting. He didn't know what was going to happen. The manager refused to take the money, so finally he just pushed it across the counter to him and said, Please, God bless you. And left with a clean conscience. See, what this mourning is about, it's a part of repentance. It's the sorrow we feel for what we have done. But I want to say today, not only is it something that happens as we come to Jesus, it's something that will probably happen numerous times during the journey. when we come to this amazing story. I love the story, but it makes me grieve in my heart for my own wickedness. In Luke, the 21st chapter. Oh, let me make sure I have the right place. I'm... No, it's chapter 22. Here's the picture. The disciples are right at the end, close to the time Jesus will be sold and crucified. They still have not overcome their desire to be number one. That's such an in bred part of our human heart to be number one, to be somebody. And here the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus rebukes them for that. And then after he rebukes them, he confers on them the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In order that they may, it says, eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And then we come to verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus turns to Simon, to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has asked to sift you, to assay you, that is, to determine the true value of your statement of belief in me. Satan wants to know if you really are going to walk out this journey, or whether you're a phony. Jesus speaks gently to Peter. Satan has asked to determine your value. As wheat compared to being a tear, or compared to being a phony. And then Jesus very kindly says to him, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I want you to see it's not Peter's goodness that may not fail. It's Peter's faith. Jesus knows that everything that Peter is, everything he has, has only come by faith in himself. That in himself, Peter, he would fold in a moment. But he has faith in Jesus. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. That your faith may not break. That's a prayer I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, as we come today to this broadcast, there are some who are being sifted horribly. They're in a very painful situation. They They don't feel very good about what's happening. They're afraid. But Lord, you prayed for Peter. That their faith would not fail. Lord, I pray right now for every person listening to this broadcast. That their faith will not fail. The devil will come and say, you're done, you're exposed, you're shamed. The devil will come and say, you don't have the ability to walk out what you have claimed you will do. Satan will come and say, you're finished. It's over. You might as well just quit. You know you're going to be an alcoholic. You know you're going to go back to those drugs. You know you're going to go back to that woman or to that man. You know that you're going to be a homosexual. Lord, I'm asking that not one person's faith would fail. That they would not turn and quit in discouragement. That they would not turn in disgust and say, I deserve better. Lord, I'm asking that every person who listens to this broadcast, that their faith would be strengthened, that they would not fail the test, regardless of how painful it is. Lord, let them not fail. And Lord, I ask for myself. I'm being sifted painfully. Lord, let my faith not fail. I know it's not in me. I know my confidence is not in me. My faith is in you, Jesus. I am looking to you with great expectation. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what people say. Lord, I stand by faith in your precious name Jesus I'm asking today that every person listening to this broadcast would be encouraged that they would pray the prayer Lord Jesus today would you shelter me under your precious blood shed on Calvary Lord would you shelter Would you shelter my life and the life of every listener? Would you shelter our lives under your precious blood and turn Satan aside? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you know what Peter's response was. Don't let this be your response. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to die with you, Jesus. But Jesus has said to him, When you've turned back, when you've come to your senses, Peter, when you finally recognize that I am your strength. You don't need to argue to be first. You don't need to go after somebody or something. Come to me, Peter. When you've turned back, strengthen your brethren. But he is full of himself. But Jesus cuts it right to the heart. I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. In other words, you're going to deny me. You're going to say you're not my disciple. You're going to curse me today and cast me aside with the rest. Now... That scares me. None of us know how we're going to really respond when the sifting begins, when the assaying, when the piercing begins in our own hearts. But now, that's where it stands. Now, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom at that time with his disciples. He went there to pray, and he told them, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Again, it is not your strength that will save you from temptation. It is the presence of Jesus Christ and your faith in his ability to keep you. Jesus begins to pray, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. Peter, James and John he found them asleep exhausted from sorrows "Why are you sleeping?" he asked "Get up and pray that you'll not fall into temptation." While he's still speaking with the disciples a crowd came up Judas kissed him on the cheek to indicate that he was the man to arrest. It's so so horrible to even look at. They seized him. They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Now, Peter followed at a distance because he could go in. John knew someone in the family. They kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they sat down together. Oh, wait a minute. Peter sat down with the accusers of Jesus. That's when a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight she looked closely at him and said this man was with him this man's one of them but peter denied it woman i don't know him a little later someone else saw him and said you also are one of them i am not man about an hour later Another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And then this horrible but important verse in scripture. Luke 22, verse 62. And he went outside. And he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. There's no shame greater than being found out. You're not who you say you are. You're somebody else. You're not one of us. You're one of him. He knew he had betrayed his Lord. He knew Jesus was the son of the living God. He was the one who made the confession. But now, being pierced, being assayed, being sifted like wheat, in the heat of that bitter, hard moment, he denies he knows Jesus. I think there is nothing more painful to a man or to a woman than to be found out that you're something that you were not. A man this last weekend in America, a professor, I won't say where, he was found out. The police got a hint, found some evidence, And this tenured professor, this highly respected educator in American University, discovered that he was having sexual relationship with his dog. His response to being found out to the police was, please kill me. I cannot bear the shame. Well, needless to say, they did not kill him. They took him into custody. And now he will face a judge. But he would rather die than be exposed for what he was, a sexual pervert. He would rather die And many times I've read of people who committed suicide rather than face the judge regarding some sin that they have committed against the government or against society. I think there is nothing more bitter than shame. And it causes one to weep bitterly. Now, I was sharing with you back here in the book of Matthew. Remember in Matthew 5? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So there is a way out of the shame of being found out. There is a there is an escape from that shame found in the man, Jesus Christ. All of us have done things that we would be ashamed if they became publicly known. I have. I'm sure you have. There is a, a privacy that all of us have. It is our own hidden world. It's what we do when no one else is around. Many of you think, oh, I can go on the Internet and that is private, and I can do anything I want to do there. No, you can't. It's not private. Oh, it will be private for a time, but the day may come when you will be exposed for whatever you were loving and doing on that internet i had a man in my church who was a pedophile and he had excessive numbers of of pictures of children performing sexual acts that they should not have been doing. And he loved to collect these and share them with others. He said, I have a sin in my life I cannot overcome. I said, no sin is so wicked that it cannot be overcome and washed by the blood of Jesus. He said, oh, this sin cannot be washed by the blood of Jesus. It is excessively wicked. But I love my sin. A short time later, it was in the news that he had been arrested as a pedophile for abusing children. He was right. What he was doing was utterly wicked before God. But you know what? He could have been forgiven. He could have been washed and made clean. Now he would have still been shamed and suffered the loss of his freedom. But he would have had eternity. And Jesus would have done it all. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for you and me. There's nothing in your private world that you cannot bring to Jesus and have washed and made clean. Now you might have to make restitution. That's a part of repentance. But there is a way to be made clean. Now, I'm so glad the story does not end there. If the story ended there, I would feel cheated. I would say, I want to know, what, what happened here? Did Peter have faith? Did he strengthen the brethren? And, of course, the answer is yes. His faith held firm. He wept bitterly. He was shamed by being found out. But if you look with me at John 21, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. The disciples are out on the Sea of Tiberias or Sea of Galilee. Simon, Thomas, Nathaniel, and others had made the decision they were going to go out and go fishing. Often we deal with our betrayal by doing something else to earn money. The other disciples knew that they too had all run that they had not stood by Jesus. It was Peter, however, who had made his boast. So the disciples all made peace with him. I'm sure they said, Oh, Peter, it could have been me. I understand. Wow, that was hard. But now, early in the morning, they're coming in. And they have caught nothing all night. Sound familiar? They've caught no fish. It's been a night of hard labor. No fish. Remember, they're now supposed to be fishers of men, not fishers of fish. Well, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples, in the dawning light, could not recognize that it was Jesus, the risen Lord. So he called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered back. So he called out to them, Throw your net on the right side, about a hundred yards out. Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's restoring the disciples who have all deserted him. He is also now in the process of restoring Peter to his heart. I'm so glad that Jesus, after a... Stupid mistake that I made. I'm so happy that that Jesus is still willing to restore me to his heart. He's still willing to love me. Have you made some of those stupid decisions? And has Jesus come back and loved you? Oh, you know what that's called? Grace. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. The disciple whom Jesus loved. John said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, maybe a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning on the beach. The coals were just right, and already Jesus had put fresh fish on the coals, and there was also bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 large fish. But even with so many, the net did not tear. you remember the first time this miracle happened? The net tore. The net doesn't tear anymore. None of the disciples dared ask Jesus, Who are you? They knew it was Jesus. They knew it was their Lord. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. After they'd finished eating, as his Often the custom among men, they began to talk. The scriptures say in verse 15, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? I think he meant more than these fish, because... Peter's life was all around his fish. And what did he do? He led the disciples off to go fishing. They could have spent that time praying, even looking for Jesus. No, they went to get their fish. Simon answers, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus gives him an assignment, feed my lambs, be about my business, not fishing business, kingdom business, feed my lambs. Jesus said again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Now Peter's a little setback. Why is Jesus asking him this? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then Peter, don't go fishing. That's what I think Jesus would have said. Instead, take care of my sheep. That's what the scriptures say. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him this third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Be available, Peter. You can't be available while you're out doing your own fishing. You know, I've read this many times, as I'm sure you have. but it prompts me to ask you the same question. Do you love Jesus more than you love your fish? Do you love Jesus more than you love the normal, natural life that you live in America? What would it mean to you to answer Jesus? You know that I love you. And have Jesus answer back, Take care of my sheep. In other words, Yes, Peter is being reinstated to the heart of Jesus. But there's something much more here. It's Peter. Are you going to turn back to your fishing? Or are you going to become now what I've called you to be, which is a fisher of men? Do you understand? You were not called to be an attorney. You were not called to be a doctor. You were not called to be a secretary. You were not called to be an accountant. You were called to take care of Jesus' fish. You were called to let the love of Jesus that's in your heart be expressed in your service to him. And that may mean that you serve him by being in a doctor's office. But your real vocation in that place is not to be a doctor. It's to take care of Jesus' fish. It's to serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's not where you go to make money so that you can serve Jesus on the side. No, it's a radical, radical step that says, my task is to serve Jesus wherever I am. That I am to witness and testify that He is the Christ, the risen Lord. And I am to feed His sheep or the youngsters that come into fellowship with Jesus. It's, it's, it's my job to care about you. If you begin to catch this, It'll change your life. Serving Jesus is not a part time job. It's a full time job. And you're called to serve him full time if you answer the question, Yes, I love you, Jesus. There's no other option after these three options. There's nowhere Jesus says, Do you love me? Yes, well then go and live and have a wonderful life. That's not one of the options. The command is not to go live a wonderful American life. It's to go out into the... wherever and utterly lay your life down for other people and call them to Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus answered Peter, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow the culture. Don't follow the prosperity. Don't follow the I'll be somebody Follow Jesus Feed His sheep. He said when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. In other words, when you were when you were free of this commission. You were free to go wherever you wanted. You could move to whatever city you wanted to move to. You could go to the country. You could you could do anything you wanted to do. But now, follow Jesus. That's the command. Follow Jesus. Not follow your game plan. Not follow your prosperity plan. Not follow your goals and what you want to do and think that you can just take Jesus along in your hip pocket and everything will work out just fine. Wrong. It's not how Jesus operates. He's called you to serve him. He'll tell you what capacity he wants you to serve him in. He'll open a way for you in the office, in the factory, In the kitchen, he'll direct your steps if you will allow him to have full control of your life. Remember, this all started with the beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who can't control and do what they want anymore. When you enter into the heart of Jesus, everything else goes. You now serve Jesus and Jesus alone. He is your Lord and your master. Let's pray. Lord, I come to pray to say, Oh, Jesus, I love you. And I ask that as I am sifted, as Peter was sifted, that my true value will be found in you, Jesus Christ. I pray, Jesus, that I will not be a lost sheep wandering around for a wolf to come and devour. Or even worse, Lord, I pray that I will never be a wolf, a devourer. Lord, I pray today, For each person listening to this broadcast. That we will all begin to catch on. That you do love us. And that you're willing to reinstate us in your heart when we make wrong choices. When we do things that were utterly stupid or foolish that you will touch us with healing and restore us, and that as we come back into the fullness of your fellowship, we will encourage brothers and sisters that we will be an encourager of faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. Please, Jesus, have your way today. Let your name be proclaimed above our hearts and our lives. Lord, I'm so tired of seeing people who call themselves Christians but act like the world. And at the first opportunity, they run off to go fishing. They run off to make a way for themselves. They run off to their own pleasures. Lord, call them back. I know today, listening to this broadcast, there are many who just want to go back to their own pleasures. I ask that you would, as Satan sifts them, cause them to weep bitterly over the wickedness of their heart. Lord, please come now and minister to our brokenness. Lord, I know that many who are listening are broken in spirit. They've condemned themselves. They believe they've sinned away your grace. Lord, I pray you'll call your children back. And the ones who've never made a confession of faith in you, Lord, I pray that today they will say, Jesus, I love you, and I want to belong to you. Is there room for me, Jesus, in the kingdom of heaven? And I know your answer. Yes, come. For today is the day of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you and I worship you. I know there's no way through except by your grace and the power of your name. So, Lord, I come today sing, O oh, oh, Jesus. We may need you to send us some fish to get us going and to get us on the right road. But I know what you want to do is make us fishers of men and women and boys and girls. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your presence, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenland from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so glad you listened today. I pray your heart has been encouraged. And I pray that today you will find a way to encourage someone else's heart. I pray your faith will stand the test. That you're about to undergo, and I pray in the name of Jesus that as you mourn and grieve over your wickedness, that you will know that Jesus will come and comfort you by saying, "I have forgiven you." Well, I'd like to hear from from you. I'm able to do this ministry at the call of Jesus because he moves in the hearts of his people. Renee, thank you. Dirk, thank you. Thank each one of you. I'm able to do this ministry because Jesus moves in your heart and you respond you can write to me pastor ray greenley national prayer chapel post office box twenty three forty six woodbridge virginia two two one nine five again that's pastor ray greenley national prayer chapel post office box twenty three 46, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go online and go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You see, we air this broadcast over 780 a.m. here in the Washington metro area. And then we're also live streaming on YouTube. You can go to our webpage, com. You're welcome to give online. And I thank you. It's a privilege for me to come day by day to speak the Word of God to you. Thank you for coming. I ask you to spread these far and wide. I also thank our brother Ed for all of the work he does on the on the web page, and on the YouTube. He is truly my brother in Jesus. Well, that's about all the time we have today. Let me pray one more time. Lord Jesus, There's just no way I can make it through this. There's no way I can make it through the crippling of this accident. Except by your strength, Jesus. There's no way any of us can make it through the sifting of the devil. without your presence Jesus to encourage us and lift us up that's why I come praying Lord please shelter us under the precious blood of Jesus Christ for, for you Lord are everything to us and do we love you <laughs> yes Radically, we love you. Totally, we love you. And I ask, Lord, please carry us. In the name of Jesus, Amen.